I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. In this week's episode, I share my chat with Amy, who talks me through her one pregnancy and the birth of her little boy, Cooper. Amy prepared as much as you possibly can, I think, for pregnancy, labour, birth and early motherhood. She read all of the books available to her, listened to podcasts, watched YouTube videos and attended classes as well as speaking to other people. And her her mum, for example, breastfed um, herself and her seven, seven siblings. So she spoke to her about breastfeeding and how she could prepare. Amy was induced, which wasn't initially part of the plan, but I think the level of preparation that Amy did do helped her adapt to a number of things throughout uh, Cooper's birth. She was also given an epidural to help slow her labour down. So I'll let her tell you more details on that. So at about the 40 minute mark, Amy then shares part of her story, which is quite upsetting, but thankfully Cooper made a full recovery. So at 12 days old, Cooper was diagnosed with meningitis. Thankfully, due to Amy and her husband, Dan, reacting as quickly as they did, they caught it just in time and Cooper made a full recovery. So lots in this episode. Enjoy and I will chat to you next week. Okay, so Amy, you are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm delighted. I'm actually so excited. And we're neighbours. We only realised recently that we're just across the road from each other. But obviously with busy lives, we don't even get to, we didn't even recognise one another until we saw each other here on the camera. Yes. Bonkers. So do you want to tell us a little bit about you and your family and then we'll get stuck in? Sure. So there are now three of us. So uh, myself, obviously, my husband, Dan, and our little baby, Cooper, who just turned nine months the other day. Uh, and we have two fur babies, Bailey and Lexi as well. <laughs> the poor neglected dogs, now the Cooper's on the scene. But yeah, so our little family and obviously we're based in Nace. So. so do you want to talk to us about conception? 
Sure. So um, I suppose we kind of had a plan uh, all along that I would wait till after my 30th birthday because I wanted to have a big uh, party <laughs> so that we kind of concentrate on maybe start a family after then. And um, of course, meeting me super planned was like, OK, I've, you know, I've been on the pill for you know, well over a decade. I'm kind of worried that that might cause problems or whatever. So I'm going to come off, you know, in August. And I'll start my little ovulation sticks and just see where things are and is everything okay. And that's fine. We went about our business. It was actually our anniversary, our wedding anniversary that August. Uh, we'd been married a year. Um, and uh, so that was fine. We went away for big games. And then lo and behold, um, you know, that, that was fine. And then I remember one evening, um, I was just about to go out the door to the gym. Um, and I kind of been feeling tired. And I was coming off of work and napping, and I was like, "This is a bit bizarre. Like, why am I so tired?" And my little dog, she's a little miniature Jack Russell, and she was like lying on my stomach quite often. And I was like, "What? Like, this is bizarre." But obviously, it wasn't. You know, wasn't going into it too much. So I said, "Look for the laugh." I'd gotten um, pregnancy tests from Amazon delivered that day. So I said, "Look, sure, I have them on hand anyway. I'll just do it, and I'll get ready for the gym." So I literally just did it, and had it sitting there, completely forgot about it. Um, got ready for the gym and as I was about to go to the door I said oh sure may I, may I go up and just check it you know because I know it's a negative you know fine and of course it was <laughs> and I literally lost it I was just so taken aback like I, I really was quite shocked because it was it wasn't my 30th yet this is literally two weeks after coming off the pill and um, so I didn't in my in my wildest dreams ever think that it would be a possibility really um so yeah I was totally taken aback so of course then my sister came in she was actually living with us and I was like you know, I burst into tears when I saw her and she was like, okay, you're all right, it's fine, it's fine. Um, and I was really excited. I suppose I just I hadn't mentally prepared yeah, myself for a to happen that quickly. So I was really kind of taken aback. And then I was like, well, how's Dan's going to react? So <laughs> I literally tell all the girls this and I'm laugh. And I literally was like, he'd come in from rugby training. So I knew I had a bit of time to kill. So I said, I go for a walk, just kind of clear my head, get my thoughts together. And um, obviously could not go to the gym. I was in no fit state, but um. And I was like, I'm going to have to take all the liquor out of the cabinet, line them all up and be prepared to give them a stiff drink. So I was like, can I deliver this and have a drink? So he walked in the door and of course I like told my sister to get lost. She was living with us while they were um, waiting on their house people. So she's on the top door. So I'm like, you go, you go. Listening at the door. Like, yeah, 100%. Like she was with me the whole time. Like Matt texted me like, Do you have you come yet? Like what's the story? And um, so he arrived in and I was like, Hey. and he'd kind of see me like the kitchen he, uh, bless him he was like is everything all right babe and I was like yeah just come in here for a minute and I think he thought I'm gonna yeah. die to be honest just like weird so he, again he came in and I kind of just like hey, would you like a drink <laughs> and it um, and uh, showed him the chest of course he didn't know what the hell it was he's like what's this and of course I thought I was pregnant and to be fair he took it so much better than I did in the sense that he's like oh my god this is amazing news oh, okay. and then I was like okay so then of course I'd go to my 30th birthday party five weeks pregnant trying to pretend that I was drinking all weekend and which is great fun I think I think I pretty much pulled it off my friends are telling me I didn't but I thought I did a great job (laughs) but uh yeah so look it was we were extremely lucky and that it all worked out and so yeah that was pretty much it so I was yeah pregnant two weeks after um after coming off the hill and then yeah it was just pretty much smooth sailing from there on out and so you went to your GP then and then what type of care did you opt in for yeah so I went for a nine-week scan with a a gynecologist in Newbridge um, and then I kind of decided I wanted to go privately um 
And I also said I'd want to get my own consultant just for because I'd listened to a lot of podcasts and that kind of continuity of care. I kept, said, especially my first baby, mm-hmm. you know, this is all very new to me. It'd be nice to have the same face. Um, so I went with the Rotunda purely from a sentimental standpoint. I'm the eldest of seven and all of us were born in the Rotunda. Um, and I just was having been in there six other times. I was very familiar with the place. And I, I watched the, the Rotunda program as well. So I kind of thought I knew a little bit better. Um, so yeah, I went to the Rotunda, which was a great experience. Um, and then I chose uh, my consultant as well. So um, pretty much started off with her. So went to, I had the nine week uh, scan, obviously, which was great. And everything looked perfect. And then I did my first uh, call them up, obviously, and did my first call with her. And then everything there on out. Um, with her so I, I think I went to midwife because you get the the um free checks or whatever with your GP I think I visited my GP's midwife twice throughout the process okay just in between times and um, but obviously I had all my other um scans and checkups at the return of the preparation wise what did you do when did you start loads oh, cool. uh so even way before I was pregnant um you could probably say I eat slept breathed all things pregnancy labor and delivery like I was I was obsessed with it to be honest um so I really did as much preparation as you probably do like I was yeah before I got pregnant I went to all my prenatals like months before I was even considering trying um I listened to umpteen number of podcasts like I have them some of them listed here um I watched so many different videos so I did I listened to the every mom podcast pregnancy podcast with Vanessa Merton the 40 weeks one, which is quite nice because it gives you like weekly updates on how your baby's developing and stuff. Uh, gentle birth as well. Mm-hmm. Read her book also. Um, the Birth Ed podcast, My Essential Birth, and then loads of YouTube videos. And I realized yeah, I said I read the gentle birth. Um, and then obviously during our pregnancy, I uh, we both did the Labor of Love uh, hypnobirthing course um, with Natasha, which is brilliant. Um, and she's actually based in Rotunda as well, which is quite nice. And to see other, other, uh, like families or parents that were on the um obviously it was all done virtually now and yeah, um, that was lovely and then we did the baby academy um preparatory course as well so yeah did loads like I yeah <laughs> everything I listened to or read was all pregnancy related and so did that give you a good base then to decide on your preferences that you wanted yeah I think it did um I suppose whatever reason I was very much um of the mindset that I I'd watched so many like natural deliveries home births um online and I just loved and I was listening to your podcast as well I really just was all about um I suppose surrounding myself with positive stories and that like you know I could do this I was very much I see this as a marathon I wanted to have it as minimally um I suppose what, what's the word I didn't want as, as little involvement as possible I felt I could try and do as much of this as, as I could myself um, and really to kind of um, give myself the tools and skills to do as much of it as possible and to educate myself through the process so I kind of had my first preferences list done quite early to be mm-hmm. honest um, I think probably in like my first or second appointment with, with my uh, consultant I was like there you she go she probably loved that list. though yeah no she did and she, to be honest I recommended actually and she's she I think by a lot of midwives, funnily enough, she delivers a lot of their babies and she, she was really loved, but I was, she was very hands-off and it's like, yeah, we're going to, you're very cool, chill, we're just going to do whatever you want. Um, so for me, it was very much geared around, and very similar to some of your um, previous podcasts, like, you know, um, I didn't want any mention of um, pain relief. I wanted, I wanted to be the one to suggest that in any form. So mild to like epidural, I didn't want any talk of that at all. Um, and very much kind of creating a nice, safe, 
environment because that seemed to be the over I suppose the overarching theme in all of the podcasts and videos I've seen is like creating that safe mm-hmm. space for yourself so like dim lighting and candles I compiled this lovely playlist of like some of my wedding music and like just some of the stuff that I really loved listening to and that I listened to all through my pregnancy obviously did the hip birthing tracks every night um, and did my uh, breathing then throughout my labour as well which we'll talk about um, what else did I have uh, minimal um, internal exams um, that I would be up and mobile and moving for my labour to me the idea of of lying down or sitting down was just a no-no I don't know why from the get-go and actually that was a reality in the end funny enough um but to be really active in my labor um and to what else did I have um I suppose they were probably the main ones I think funnily enough I had on it that I didn't want to be induced or wanted to be induced as a last resort and of course I ended up <laughs> being induced um at a, pretty much out of my own um impatience to be honest uh, for no other reason but um, uh, yeah so that was kind of it that it, you know they would just let me do my thing um, and see how far I could get with it so I was very open-minded I was not ruling anything out but I was just saying I want to see how I go um, and see how how things progress really. And you said you you mentioned there at the very start that you went to the gym so did you remain active then throughout your pregnancy? Yes I did uh, weight training all the way through my pregnancy right up until about 39 weeks. Oh amazing. Um, yeah so I like for me gym is a big thing so I really loved staying active and I think it definitely helped mm. I think it helped in my delivery as well in terms of pushing Um, so yeah I was yeah working out pretty much five times a week oh wow yeah all time pregnancy yeah yeah well it just it was normal to me yeah. so it like, just yeah it, it was perfect like obviously there were certain moves I couldn't do and I definitely didn't exert myself like I made sure to watch videos and all the things I couldn't couldn't do but um yeah definitely tried to stay as active um as I could yeah so will we talk about your final trimester how you felt and what were the first signs of labor sure so um I worked up until 36 weeks so I was busy working which is probably a great distraction um and then yeah I think my final trimester was was fine like I felt great like I was literally bopping about to me. <laughs> Um, like other than the bump there was no real tell I was pregnant like and I probably well, to be fair other than my, my husband would joke because I have to be asleep by like 9pm oh yeah 9pm like, is PM late <laughs> yeah I, I couldn't like I couldn't keep my eyes open um, but other than that um, it was fine yeah there was, it was great um, going to my checkups that was all great obviously do your usual nesting and spring clean then at like 36, 37 weeks um, and then so I went in obviously at 37 no, 36. And then again, obviously, kind of every week thereafter. And he was just not moving like at all. So um, all of us were over. I know my mom was like two weeks over with me uh, and we're all very big babies. And as was he, I knew he would be. Um, so I was 10 pounds. <laughs> so I knew he was going to be in that range and he was tracking the whole way, like okay. his weeks ahead. Um, so yeah, there was no movement whatsoever. He was firmly up there, very happy. So, uh, and I mind you, I think about tw- up at about, oh, just over 20 weeks, he was breech. Right. Um, so I was doing a lot of spinning babies and stuff like that. And then I remember one night, like, it was just so violent. I woke up, he always used to wake, or like I'd wake him up by three or four just to kind of feel him and make sure he was moving around because he was such a big kicker. Like he was so active in my stomach. The point that it was like those movies, like I had videos mm-hmm. of him, like literally punching my stomach. Um, but I remember him moving and it must have been that night because it was just so aggressive and violent <laughs> uh, but he obviously turned, turned yeah. yeah but by 36 37 38 there was still no movement whatsoever like he was not descending at all so 39 came 40 came 
still no movement. Hadn't dropped considering. Like he dropped a little bit. I could see it on my belly, but he hadn't dropped a whole lot. Um, so there was no movement whatsoever. Um, and at this point, as like I said, I was still very comfortable, very active. Like, and I kind of wanted to stay that way. And I was kind of worried that he was a big, he was a big baby at this point. And I was like, if I go to kind of 41, 42, um, though that's perfectly fine. And he'll, you know, he could come when he wants to come. But I just felt I was in a really good place physically and mentally. mentally and I was yeah. like, I'd rather he come now than later, you know, because the chances of me being able to birth him naturally are going to be easier if he's that little bit smaller because he's still tracking about nine pounds at this stage. Um, so at 40, so I'd agreed with her and, and in my birth preference, if I had that, I didn't want to talk about it. She said, look, we could look at it at 41. I said, okay, fine. So I went home and thought about it. And I said, am I being too impatient or hasty? Like, will I just see it through? But there was no sign of suspending. So I was like, we could still end up with this point at 42 weeks. And at that stage, I'm even bigger and probably more immobile. Yeah. So we said, look, we'll pencil it in. And if nothing happens, then we'll just go with it. So that was 40, 40 plus five. Yeah. Um, so we agreed that. So, of course, in the meantime, then I got home and I was like, right, into gear. At this point, from 36 weeks, I've been taking my dates. I've been doing my raspberry leaf tea. I was doing my bouncing on the ball every night. Um, I was doing all of the things that you could possibly do. So now I was like, right, let's ramp it up a year. Um, I did my spicy food. I did pineapple. I did like everything I could think of. Um, and he's just, yeah, no movement whatsoever. Uh, he was very much comfortable in there. So obviously the 40 plus five came. Um, and so Dan dropped me up that morning for half seven. Um, and obviously with COVID, though, we're, the Rotunda were the most relaxed in terms of the rules, which was fantastic. So I know I'm really fortunate in that sense that I got, he was there with me for such a big chunk of it. And I think the induction part helped as well. Um, so he obviously left me at the door with all the other four husbands or, or partners. They were like leaving their other ladies at the door. Um, and so I we went in with my birthday ball and bag, whatever. And um, they brought me into my little room. And so my consultant came down and obviously gave me put in a gel first so I had my own little room which is great so I literally just had downloaded Netflix and watched Bridgerton all over again um, and so I was happy out I was like bouncing on my ball and everything was great and I had my snacks like of course did my due diligence in terms of the bag had that prepped like probably by week 25 I'd say <laughs> so I had all the snacks I needed like I was ready to go um so that was fine and then Dan actually booked a um a room across the way in the Maldron so that he could be there because uh, with the rotunda they had that you were allowed to go into the visiting hours so I think he dropped me in half seven and then there was visiting hours again from 10 to half 11 I think and then from like two to eight so for the good of the day he was with me like yeah um, so during the day then um sorry tell me if I'm like skipping ahead no I was um, going to ask you so considering your nature that you researched everything yeah how do, uh, from my research on inductions sure. everything just seems to be negative obviously we've a yes. positive story so how did you feel going yeah. to the induction yeah no I was apprehensive and I kind of to be honest I was a little bit disappointed in myself that I'd let initially that I'd let my impatience kind of get the better of me because like you said virtually because all of the podcasts that I listen, listen are very much like minimal you know um uh what's the word I'm looking for convention Yes, thank you. Minimal intervention, pretty much let your body do its own thing. It knows what it wants to do, et cetera, et cetera. And that intervention or that induction or any kind of intervention can kind of snowball into, into other interventions. And that was kind of the thing in my mind the whole way through. So I, I was a little bit worried that it was just going to snowball into things that I didn't want. And one thing would lead to another. But to be honest, in hindsight, I'm actually really glad 
um, for a number of reasons. Um, and I'll probably like talk through those yeah. throughout the whole process. But no, yeah, I was apprehensive, definitely. But I certainly wouldn't be put off it again, to be honest. Right, yeah. uh, it worked out for me. Now, I know that's not always the case with people. Um, but for me, it, it did. Um, so, yeah, I uh, that way. Yeah. So I had the, the gel and that was fine. And nothing kind of had originally. She checked me, obviously, first and there was no real movement again. Um, so I was starting to get a few little kind of niggles, like to the point that I'd have to kind of like, you know, bend over the, the windowsill in my little room. Um, and get, get on my ball and kind of move around and sway my hips and I was like oh is this the beginnings of things and they kind of come and go and then obviously every now and then they'd have to be on bed and put the monitor on and check them and he was all fine so that kind of went on for the course of the day and obviously Dan came in like you know hung out for a while um, and then towards the end of the day or the night they started to subside kind of by midnight I was raging because I was like oh no I know this is like they've tapered off this is you know there's nothing happening here um, and it's funny because I could hear everything going on outside, even though I had the room and it seemed to be a really, really busy night. There was like, I think there was like a woman wheeled out in a wheelchair at one point that like went pretty much was delivering her baby in the ward. Like it was chaos that night. So I was kind of like, in a way, thank God it didn't happen that night mm. because I think they were so under pressure. But um, there was something, all the nurses were joking. They were like, there was something in the air that night. It just seemed to be like, go, go, go. So nothing happened. So I kind of fell asleep. I got a few hours and the next morning my consultant came back in I think it was 8 a.m um, and checked me again and nothing majorly had happened and they were obviously just those kind of little mini fake starts um, from the from the gel so she said okay we're going to do another I think she did another gel and then by lunchtime if nothing had happened they were going to break my water so I was like okay fine so again I got on my balls and all my movements all that kind of jazz um, and that seemed to work a little bit but again I was feeling nothing now at this point I'd already put on my TENS machine yes from the previous day so when I started to get those little niggles the previous day I had my TENS machine on and I left it on like it was pretty much on. like I turned it off for the night, but I'd left it on the whole pretty much coming up on 24 hours at that point I just left it on my back anyway um because a bit of pain to put on and off so uh then she came back in at lunchtime and it had it had done a little bit in terms of softening the cervix, but there was no major movement. So she said, right, we're going to break your waters. That was fine. Again, really funny, funny sensation, um, but fine. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't bad. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the city broke my waters. And at that point, Dan was actually on his way back down um, from home. So he'd gone home, checked the dogs and whatnot, and then was on his way in anyway. So I said, come on in. The minute I go to the labor ward, will I be with me? So, like, come straight in. Mm. Uh, which was great timing so that was about two o'clock I think so they wheeled me down to the labour ward and then um yeah they brought me into the room and they hooked me up obviously to the monitors which again is something that I kind of had you know ingrained in me that you don't want to have monitors on and that's going to impede your movement and um you know you just want don't want to be cabled up to all of these different things and again that's going to cause this cascade of interventions but to be honest I was just happy that I had enough room because that was one of the things I said from the outset am I going to be able to maneuver in this can I stand up can I move about so they made sure that all of the different um obviously the drip and everything else was long enough that I was able to move around the bed and stand up which was perfect because I ended up standing up for my entire labor (laughs) so um yes they had me with the monitors on and that was all fine um, and they were lovely. So I had a lovely um, Spanish nurse, actually. So we were just chatting away to her. So at this point, obviously, they'd stuck the drip in. Uh, and as you know, it's like incremental every half hour in the up the dosage. So I think it goes from zero to 32 to the max. Um, so obviously, they started and that was fine. 
Um, so it, again, the saving grace, to be honest, was this muscle gun that my husband has. Amazing. Um, so it's this big, like, pulsating gun, basically. And it was funny. So I have a TENS machine on all of the time. But I had no pain in my front of my stomach. And all the pain I had was down my hips okay. and my, my quads for some reason. Uh, so, yeah, that's where all, I experienced all my pain. So what he would do is, as and again, you the monitor. And that was another good thing with the induction. Because I was on the trace, he could see the dial go up. So he would let me know where I would see them and know, okay, another contraction is coming. So I could kind of mentally get myself ready. I had my music on at this point. And I was doing my uh, balloon breath. That was one of the things we learned in the hypnobirthing course. And the only one that I could kind of really visualize was the balloon, mm-hmm. just, you know, obviously inflating it and deflating it. And um, so that one really worked. And I practiced that obviously um, all through um, every night with my uh, hypnobirth tracks and stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, so basically as, as one would come, I would just stand up and I'd sway side to side. And then I would basically point at either one of my legs and he would go up and down. Uh, on my hips with the gun and basically this just continued so we just did this um for hours <laughs> and it worked really well so um by about eight o'clock then obviously that change over for the nurses and um, so that gorgeous nurse left and we got another lovely gorgeous nurse um, an Irish girl and I think at this point uh no slightly before just before she left and she was great because actually sorry I'm gonna backtrack when my waters were broken the nurse that was in the room um, I had put I brought loads of laminated birth preferences sheets and um, I put I had them all ready to go but I put one in the file because that nurse kept asking me right there's loads of different uh, pain relief options which ones would you like oh. I, I was I kept saying to her I please don't mention them to me I don't yeah. want any conversation on um, pain medication I said can you just refer to my birth preferences and she's like, oh god of course they were all like totally apologetic when when they saw them but they're <laughs> For every single nurse I encountered, they kept like, okay, there's loads of different pain relief options. <laughs> it's like, please stop saying them. So, um, but to be fair, both these nurses were brilliant. So they, when, when uh, we first met the Spanish nurse, my shoulder, she was like, so she loved the fact that I had birth preferences. So she was, and I kept, on one of them, I kept saying, please explain, even though I knew everything. Um, she, I, I had on, I was like, please explain every single procedure, pros and cons, um, et cetera, or whatever. So I just wanted to be, you know, um, told about everything and um, so everything she was like totally explaining everything which is lovely like so it was really really nice so she was very very um um considerate of of kind of everything that we wanted and creating that environment and um, so just before she left uh, I'd, I'd taken nothing now at this point and it never even dawned on me to even ask for like paracetamol I just it never even thought I never even thought of pain relief to be honest and then just before she left I was like I actually could try out that um gas an air and she was like oh my god yeah of course you can yeah yeah so I was trying this because again I had like kind of mixed ideas I didn't think I'd like it I think I might because a lot of women have said made them feel woozy and I was like god I don't really know if I want to feel woozy but to me it was I actually I could put myself in the court so in the nightclub yeah 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 <laughs> It's just like that lovely, like tipsy level. I'm just swaying to side, listen to my music. Like I could actually do this all night. This is great. <laughs> so it worked wonders for me. I could literally see myself out in the town. Um, so that was gone. But so she was great, and then she went off, obviously, and the nurse came in. And by this point, this is when Dan says this is when things changed. So I was now on the other side of the bed, um, and I was. To me, this is the like the most fascinating thing. My body was like pressing eject. 
So I had no control over it. I didn't, like I wasn't pushing, but my body just kept bearing down and I was standing. So they were like, no, 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 come back on the bed. We'll check you. Because I kept saying, no, can you please check? Like, because I'm getting back to back contraction. And there was no break. And obviously as the hours went on, I would kind of like slightly lean on the side of the bed or like just sit my bum down and it between the contraction. And then I was right back up again. But I was really getting no reprieve. Like they were back to back. Um, and I think my Pitocin was up to like 24, 26 or something like that at this stage. Um, they were coming like hot and heavy. So just my body was ejecting. And I remember thinking, God, this is what people talk about. This is this amazing moment when your body just takes over. Like it was like I was seeing myself, like her outer body experience is incredible. And I was like, God, I'm so fascinated. Um, so I was like totally bearing down. I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to do it. Like my body's just doing this. Just take it up on the bed and let's check you. Um, so, and they'd been really reluctant to check me. And again, that was probably one of my birth preferences. But I think generally in the rotunda, they don't try and do, obviously, there's no water broken. They do minimal um, internal checks. So I was like, please check me. So I got on the bed. But for me, getting on the bed was like the worst thing I could do. I just, I, I couldn't do it. Like my body was like, no, 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 I can't. I can't get on the bed. It just seems so comfortable to me. Um, so I got onto the bed for a few minutes while she checked me. And she's like, okay, you're at um, nine. So I was like, okay, okay, grand. Um, but she was like, stop, you know, stop pushing. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not, I can't. So I hopped up again, obviously, because I did not want to be on my back. Um, and I was like, yeah, but just, like, I, can, I can't do anything about it. It's, it's not me. But Dan says I was like, I, the lights were on, but no one was home. Like I was definitely in my own zone. Like I couldn't tell you who was in the room at that point. I was very much just listening to my music, swaying side to side. Um, and then she had said, okay, your contractions are, too, are, are just on one on top of the other. Your baby isn't getting a break. Um, and he's just not coping with it very well. So we want to slow things down. So um, I didn't know this, but Dan had told me actually, yeah, because obviously I wanted to, you know, go over everything with him. Um, and he had said that they'd started to gradually reduce the Pitocin drip. Yeah. Um, but in the interim, they were like, okay, we want to give you a an epidural to slow things down. Because again, I'd heard obviously, they though they're great for pain relief, they do have a tendency to slow things down. And again, I was worried about that because I was like, right, cascade of interventions then I'm going to have less opportunity or control in terms of the pushing phase and then may as a result have inter- so in my mind I was like no no no, I don't want that and um, because I've never even dawned to me to ask for it like I didn't I didn't want it necessarily but I was like right if that's what they feel um they want they want to do fine so I was like okay how soon can this person be here because the longer I'm on my back the more uncomfortable it is I'm I'm losing my my zone Focus, um, yeah. like that um, so they were like, no, no, she's literally outside. We can have her now. And I was like, okay, fine. So um, they got me on the side of the bed, which again, I was like, oh, please, please, I don't want to do this. So I was on the side of the bed. And again, I could not tell you what this nurse looked like. I can remember her voice, but I could not see her. And they kept saying, tell her, tell her when you have a crap contraction. But I was so in my head. Dan was the only person in the room that heard me say I'm having a contraction now because I was just so, I was just so out of it that I was, I was just in my zone. And they were like, you have a contraction? And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm having a contraction now. And Dan was like, no, 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 stop, stop. She's having a contraction. So anyway, I got that done. That was fine. It wasn't near as bad as, again, I thought it would be. Um, and then it was like night and day. <laughs> the next thing you know, like within 20 minutes, I'm watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. On Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> we're just sitting there chilling. And we're like, oh my God, this is insane. Um, so then, yeah, so I was at nine at that point anyway. So it didn't take long. So I think with like within a half an hour, uh, I was pretty much at 10. She's like, right, we're going to have to wait the other hour and just make sure that everything, the service is completely um, gone and everything. That was fine. Um, 
so yeah we just chilled to be honest um actually at one point it was so funny and I, I still to this day I'll never stop slagging down about it because I have a big um, two liter beaker of water that I carry everywhere with me like I drink a ridiculous amount of water all my friends tell you I have this with me all the time so of course I have it in the room and at one point they were like oh we're just not picking up um Cooper's uh, uh heartbeat can you just like turn in your side and I was like yeah yeah no problem so turn her on side and the nurse had said to Dan can you just give her a bit of water <laughs> you know the cold water will help um and of course Dan comes over you know probably just totally frazzled the whole day and literally gets the big jug and puts it against my belly <laughs> thinking that's what she means and the nurse just like looks at him like what now I mean for her to drink like what are you doing like <laughs> he probably thought yeah I've got this yeah yeah <laughs> so it was just gas but um yeah so pretty much we were just chilling and waiting around for the hour and then before I knew it, she was like, okay, you're ready to go. Do you want to go? And um, let's do like a few practice pushes. So I was like, okay, great. And again, I was like, oh God, now I'm going to be on my back, my legs up. Like this is like push like, you know, watermelon up the hill. Like these are all the things that have been ingrained in me. Like, no, 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 I'm fighting against myself here. But look, it was what it was. So, um, and they had called my doctor at this stage. So she was driving in. So this is one o'clock in the morning now. Um, so she's on her way in and, um, so she gets me to for practice pushes. And she's, yeah, that's great. That's great. So I think we did like three, three or four pushes in total. And I think at the second one in, she was like, yeah, okay, that's great. I want you to push a bit harder, Amy. And I don't know why, but the voice that she was using, I, I felt like I wasn't doing a good job. And I was like, oh God, I'm getting nowhere here now. And like, you know, they're going to start saying, right, we might. And then the manager came in and she was lovely as well. And she's like, okay, just to let you know, Amy, we might need to do Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. 
burrow.com slash ACAST. A small push if you can't get them out. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, we're only tw- like 15, 20 minutes into this process at this point. And I'm only like, my consultant isn't even here and I'm not doing an episiotomy. Like I'm just not. Um, so it probably was good because it was like, no, I'm pushing this baby out. So I mean, I used every ounce of energy I had. So literally the next push, he flew out. Oh, yeah. And um, she was like, here's the head. And next thing, oh my God, here's the body. <laughs> so he was out um, and born then at 139. So the whole thing was fairly quick. Um, so yeah, he was out and everything was grand and he was given to Dan and then put because again that was one of the things I wanted to soft skin skin straight away and that obviously he would latch straight away um, and that oh that we'd have the whitening cord as well that Dan would get to cut um, and they were really the main things and I get that golden hour then with them as well they were part of my birth preferences also um, yeah so as far what did he weigh? as he uh, sorry he was 9-3 oh gorgeous yeah. yeah so he was a good healthy race Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he, he was perfect, like exactly what I what, what I kind of expected, a big chunk uh, that looked exactly like his dad. Um, so yeah, that was great. And then I suppose the only funny part because of COVID, obviously they gave us like a full hour or more probably. Um, it was lovely. And then, so at this point, sorry, the nurses delivered, the midwives delivered Cooper. My, my, my consultant never made it in. So she arrived in literally like 10 minutes after I had him. So she just uh, did my placenta and my stitches. And um, so I needed like four little ones. So it was actually brand. I think the perineal massage that I did as well in the lead up to uh, delivery really helped also. Well, I think it did anyway. Um, Tell me more about that, actually. Sorry, just yeah. quickly, because a few people feel really uncomfortable about that. Really? Um, j- just with doing it. Yeah, it is a weird thing, to be honest. Like, I suppose so how did you find doing it? Did you feel uncomfortable doing it or the prospect um, of doing it? No, even? not necessarily. To be honest, I just did it like in bed watching TV. And I had, I got that, uh, my expert midwife um, pack, which is actually oh, yeah. a brilliant one. I loved all of their stuff. Um, and they have a little um, massage oil in there um, and just did it every night. And it was fine. I just kind of didn't think anything about it. Yeah, um, okay. it is. And I can totally appreciate it. it is bizarre. And it's probably not for everybody. But I was just like, if this can help me avoid, you know, stitches for the other end, I'm going to do anything I can. Um, yeah. So I'd like to think it helped. Um, so, yeah, basically, we hung out then for about an hour, like I said. And then we were wheeled out. Because I was at the end of the road. Though my legs were totally fine. I could move them. I just couldn't obviously bear weight on them. Um, so they wheeled me out and then that kind of that awkward thing where obviously Dan had to go because I was like yeah. you know they're standing with us at the, at the lift it's like okay bye <laughs> so they brought me into a ward then um, uh, and the nurse was lovely there as well but of course you're not sleeping like an inch that night just, like, gawking at him making sure he's fine um, and then the morning came uh, yeah in a few hours and I was up uh, and about which was fine Um and yeah then Dan was back in with me for 10 o'clock that morning um so I stayed yeah the Friday night and then by Saturday so he's born like Thursday morning at 1 and I left Saturday lunchtime or was it Friday okay. morning was it born into Friday morning yeah it could have been Friday morning I didn't stay long in hospital at all and um, it was like definitely like a day and a half um because I was in a ward and I just wasn't sleeping. There was like a lady snoring and a poor lady beside me, bless her, her little baby just wouldn't stop crying and was just really upset, bless her. So I just wanted my own bed and I just wanted, I don't know, I just wasn't comfortable. 
Um, so we left then on the, got him checked out, obviously, and got his first little bath, which is just so funny because you're just so overwhelmed with hormones. And I hadn't been, I, I'd like to think, I don't know, Dan might disagree, but I don't think I was very hormonal throughout my pregnancy. Um, but him getting the bath and he cried, I hadn't let him cry at all. So like whenever he'd even make any move, I was up feeding him or like, I just didn't let him cry from the time he was born. I don't know why, but to me, just him crying would just kill me. Um, so when when she put him in the bath and she was so lovely being away, she probably had a dozen babies do that day so she was like dipping him in and moving about yeah. like the mask on thank god I had the mask because the minute he started crying I bawled like silently it was like literally in hysterics and she's like oh it's, it's okay baby don't cry and I'm like oh my god you're killing me um, so yeah so that was fine he got us in the bath and we dressed him to go then and then yeah we left and that was like one o'clock that day then Saturday and got home to our, our own bed and it was just yeah bliss it's funny that's what you say there about um watching someone else handle your baby. I had a chat there with someone the other day. You know the 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 checks the pediatrician yeah. does with the yeah. PHN does watching them do that check. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh my god, I know someone be more on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it's awful to watch, yeah. but like they totally know what they're doing, but it's really hard 100%. to hundred percent. Uh, and sure, it's only when you're a few months down the line and you're like whipping the baby around the place and you realize it's oh, yeah. doing it day in, day out. <laughs> like, you know, you can fully understand it now, but at the time like completely gentle. Um, so how did you settle into I suppose the first few days at home yeah good um I suppose I was exclusively breastfeeding so that's I suppose you know taxing in itself every two hours or whatever but was just loving it um yeah it was uh, just totally infatuated um public health sorry did you uh, sorry sorry did you attend a breastfeeding preparation class uh, no, I didn't, but I watched a gazillion and one videos. Okay. <laughs> so I felt like I had a good enough idea. Um, and I'd spoken to my mom quite a bit. I know she's not obviously an expert, but um, she had breastfed all of us. Oh, wow, cool. Uh, she kind of mm-hmm. given me a few tips. And it's funny that you say that, actually, because I had, put, I had actually another thing I'd done in preparation was I had syringed colostrum um, from about 36 weeks. So I had a good stash. So I got Dan to take it out of the freezer and bring it up to hospital. So I was able to give him the little um, syringes outside of me feeding him. Um, so I'd actually emailed a lactation consultant uh, in my area, um, Katie. Oh, yeah. Uh, who I didn't know transpired to be my public health nurse. <laughs> but I just looked up like lactation consultant. I just want to make sure that when, when we got home, my lap was good and everything was good and I'm doing it right. So I emailed her and then she oh Amy you're you're in my area like I'm gonna be your public health nurse I was like oh happy days like you know I get two and one she's gonna be able to give me some tips as well and she's great so because I got out of hospital so early they hadn't done the heel, the heel prick yet so on the Monday another um because Katie didn't work on Monday another girl a lovely lady had to come over and do the heel prick in house which again is like oh god um but that was fine it was actually fine um and then she came to me on the Wednesday so that was fine because I was actually really happy they'd waited even through the Monday and the Wednesday and he gained weight um and he was starting to really get back to his birth he actually hadn't lost a whole lot I think he'd only lost like less than five percent which is pretty good in the first few days um and then yeah he was starting to climb back up so I was kind of a bit of reassurance for me that it was you know the supply was there and it was it, yeah of course good and it was fine so that was probably my biggest concern to be honest was breastfeeding and just getting that right but um yes the first few days uh were great yeah just god you can barely remember them now it feels so, so long ago but they were lovely it was lovely yeah it was really nice um and then obviously at 12 days old that's when all hell broke loose yeah do you want to talk to us 
Yeah, so um, I suppose just to preface it, um, because of the induction, and again, probably a good a good thing in a way, um, was when you're induced, they screen you and they swab you for um, a group B strep. Uh, and it came up that I had it. So from the time that I my the time that I was brought in, basically induced all through my labor and delivery, and a few hours after I was um, given the antibiotics, so I was on that drip the whole time. Um, and so from my point of view, I suppose I was good to go. <laughs> I'd had my antibiotics, um, and he was obviously checked over by the pediatrician before he left, left the hospital. And he was doing great; like he was absolutely fine, scoring perfectly. Um, and everything was fine. So then uh, everything was great for the first few days. And then at 12 days old, and bear in mind, he'd been seen by the Holy Catholic nurse now. He was thriving, like not a bother on him. Um, and then at 12 days old, um, we it was about eight o'clock at night. And what I'd done the last few nights, just to give me a bit of a head start on sleep, was Dan had given like 30 pills of formula just at that, at that time, so I could get maybe like two, three hours of sleep before my night feeds would start with him. Um, so Dan had him downstairs, and about 20 minutes later, he came up, and he's like, he's just really upset. He just, like, has no interest in the bottle, and he'd been feeding fine all day long, um, sleeping fine, he wasn't lethargic, nothing like that, and wasn't at a sort. He's been a really content baby, and he still is a really content baby. So to me, I was like, oh, this is a bit bizarre. Um, like wouldn't be a baby to really cry a whole lot to be honest and even now like this is really wrong with him to cries um and they came up and he's like he's just not settling he just seems quite agitated and I was like all right okay um and so I think I tried to give him boob and he wasn't having any of it and I was like okay this is really strange mm. and for some reason I'm not really somebody I'm very much like pragmatic person head over heart kind of head over gut I would never be a gut person um but instantly I just knew the minute I put him on me, I started crying and I just knew there was something wrong with him. And it was more his shrill cry. It was like a really shrill cry. He just kept quite tense in his body and tense in his neck. Um, and every once in a while, like say, I put him on me and he might calm down a bit and then he'd get hysterical again. And the previous two days, he hadn't passed, um, hadn't gone number two, basically. Um, and so I actually thought it might have just been constipation. He was just really uncomfortable. So obviously we did massage, we did bath um, and nothing. It, like he was still really, really um, upset. I, was like, yeah, I, just, I just feel like there's something wrong. He, this is not him. Like he just really seems out of sorts. This is about 10 o'clock uh, that night. And I was like, can we just, and to be honest, I would have said it sooner. Only I didn't want to seem stupidly. I don't know why, but I didn't want to seem like that mom who brings her baby yeah. in gas to the like the A&E department. And I didn't say it to Dan sooner. Um, so I was like, no, we just have to go. Like there's something really wrong with him. So, and it's so funny because Katie had only been with me the previous Wednesday. No, sorry, the previous Monday. And this was the Wednesday. And she said, you know, he's, he's fantastic. Blah, blah. And just as a last point of conversation, she was like, you know, you know your baby best. If there's ever anything wrong, go straight to the Children's Hospital. So either go to Tala or to Temple Street. Don't know why, but this instantly, I just thought Temple Street. In my mind, I was like, yeah, I need to go to the hospital. This is what she told me to do. Um, and just thank God she'd said it to me. Like that we hadn't waited till the morning and just thought that, oh, he's just a fussy baby and he'd get through it. He might be colicky or whatever. So we just said, hey, let's go straight away. So we packed him up and got dressed, uh, drove straight to Temple Street. And went in obviously by myself so poor Dan was sitting outside the car and at this point actually just before we left 
he kind of stopped crying and was grunting. And I was like, no, 100%, there's something wrong with him. Uh, and he was getting a little bit pale in the face. Um, so, and we were sitting there in sort of, so I kind of checked in and I was sitting in the, the waiting room and I, I could smell that he'd gone to the toilet. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. He's obviously had like explosive diarrhea now. Maybe that's, that was part of the problem. But then I knew it wasn't because he just, he just did not seem happy or well. So anyway, to be fair to them, because I suppose he was a baby, they saw him very quickly. So like probably within 10, 15 minutes, we're seen straight away. So she brought him in and she was like, okay, obviously looked him over. Um, and she's like, okay, he's a little bit tachycardic. This, like, you know, he's not a, he's not a happy baby. Um, so they brought him and like, she literally within like, Jesus, five, 10 minutes, they had him on the, um, you know, the heated uh, baby cot or whatever you call it. I can't remember the name for now. Um, and it was like a gazillion and one pediatricians in the room like I've never seen so many doctors in one room and like they're all just fussing and I'm like trying to stand out of the way with all my nappy bag and everything else I'm just standing there like what the hell's going on and they're, they're you know putting catheters in his little hands and uh, they've got oxygen now to be fair his oxygen was fine like his, his percentage was fine but it was more like a um just a to be on the to be on the safe side precautionary but they were just probably one and x-rays left right and center and of course dan is texting me the whole time and like mm. hey babe what's, what's going on how are things and i didn't want to panic him too much you know via text and um, so i just said look this is this situation blah 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 they're working on now um and of course i'm in hysterics so the, to be fair one of the managers the, the duty manager she was so lovely and she was like do you want tea and just chatting trying to talk me through everything and to be fair they could not have been more informative in terms of every single thing they were doing I'd say about four doctors did the same thing all of the time like they were really trying to keep me up to date so to be fair to them they were like look let's have your husband in here we'll bring him in through the exit doors just tell the jurors that we said it's okay so the next thing he came in we, which was great because at least we're able to be together yeah. you know you just feel, feel completely helpless because you're just standing there and they're prodding and poking your baby and he's just getting so upset like trying to swat away the um the oxygen mask and oh god and um, that was just horrendous and then um they had said like you know has anyone cold sores so they were they were afraid it was like herpes and then um they, they were asking you know a million and one different questions and I was obviously talking through my labor and delivery and I was like no everything was great he was like full apps were like perfect um they went to all these things obviously tested for everything and they were like oh yeah we can confirm it's for these breath and I was like you're joking like I got screened for this I got a full dose yeah. of antibiotics it's latent it's 12 days later like how is this not manifested before now so again they were like well we can't confirm if it's you or if he's if he's contracted somewhere else along the line I don't know. So anyway, they worked on them for a little while and then they um, they they started, they give them like a, a whole ton of antibiotics. And then obviously they'll gradually, once they get the results back, then they start to taper off the different medications. So at least from that point on, straight away, he was on the right antibiotic. So that definitely uh, like worked in our favor. And um, so then he was brought to ICU that night um, and we were allowed, we couldn't stay with him that night actually, which was really hard. So they wouldn't let you stay in the ICU. Um, so we both had to go home that night and um, we had a lovely doctor our nurse sorry David who was exclusively taking care of Cooper and he was just brilliant just like we could call him throughout the night if we wanted to so say we left at 4 a.m and we came back in then for I think eight or nine so we just went home for like a few hours so he brought up a, a, a suitcase because at that point we said the only way we could do this because obviously only one could be in there one time was to do 24 hour shifts yeah but for, for ICU they're really nice in the sense because of the circumstance obviously some very sick babies in there they have a family room so one of you could be sitting in the family room and the other could literally be in the baby and you could go 
then like back and forth. That was nice. We got to be there together. And then the odd time they were giving us an update from like say the microbiology team or our team of, uh, of consultants, they would let both of us in the room at the same time. Um, but yeah, it was just like, it was incredibly scary because he's just sitting in this little cot and he's now not saying anything. His eyes are closed. Like he's nodding. And he was such an alert baby. Like from literally the minute he was born, he was so alert, eyes open, like head up, like he was so alert and strong. Um, and I think that definitely worked in favor of the fact that he was, a, he was a big chunk of a baby to begin with mm. and really strong. Um, but he was just like, you know, so many different uh, things sticking out of him. And it was just, oh, it was like, you don't even recognize your poor baby, you know? Um, so that was, he was an ICU then for, I think, three or four days, four days, I think. And then he was responding really well. So they said they could finally bring him um, to a ward. So that's when we started doing the 24-hour shifts or whatever. So basically, we kind of do 2 to 2. So 2 p.m., we swap over, do a bit of like a nurse's handover, um, any updates for the teams, and then um, we would stay in, in the room. So because he was so small in all the wards, we got our own room, which was great. And so we just sleep on the chair beside him or whatever. And then next morning, the next one will come in. So I suppose one of the things that was, I suppose, an additional stress was because he was in ICU, I couldn't breastfeed him, obviously. So oh, yeah, had, that was going to be a question I was yeah. literally just going to ask. So that was like a big, I suppose, spanner in the works. Because again, from everything that I'd read, they were like, you know, try not to introduce a pump for the first like three months until your, your supply is well established or like six weeks minimum. Um, and of course, because I wanted to get as much breast into him, there was like a pumping room in the ICU. So I'd start pumping straight away. Um, so, and again, it wasn't like with my own pump because I was, to be fair, they have like the hospital grade Modellos, but it's just like that extra kind of stress of every three hours I have to leave him to, or two to three hours to leave him to pump and all that kind of stuff. So I was giving in my stash. And of course, I went home, I was still getting up every two hours um, with alarms all through the night pumping and then bringing in my stash to the hospital every day. Um, but obviously for the time that I wasn't there like I wouldn't have enough to do for my shift and Dan's shifts if you know what I mean so like he'd have to top up at Foreman as well so invariably we ended up combination feeding because there was no way around it and now it's worked out really well for us I, I don't forget it for a second it's what we had to do but it, it wasn't in my initial plan um, that yeah that I, I'd hoped to exclusively breastfeed but it just didn't turn out that way and like that's totally fine Um, so yeah, basically, we just did uh, two full weeks of that. And I suppose we did between four different wards during that time. Because the wards aren't, aren't open during the weekends. You just them in them back and it's just a bit of a pain. Um, so, yeah, I suppose all the while I was like, you know, trying to recuperate. <laughs> so first time mom and that just like, went out the window, you know, healing and all that. I was like, oh, who cares? Um, so, uh, yeah, it was just, it was a real, real whirlwind. And I, thankfully... And he did really, really well. And it was meant to be a three week course of antibiotics. But because he responded so well, we were able to get out in the two. So that was a big, big bonus just to have him home. And yeah, so you're just like constantly getting updates from the consultant teams and the microbiology team. So I suppose the big thing that they kept saying to us was I'm just so grateful that just something said to me to go, that we reacted so quickly. So literally within the two hours that his, like symptoms manifested we, we left for the hospital um, and they said that that made all the difference because it meant that it only got into his blood the meningitis sorry if I haven't mentioned that already and um, it never went to his spinal column and um, so obviously they had to do like spinal tap air or uh, lumbar punctures and stuff like that they had to do a few of them on them so obviously we, we weren't allowed in for any of that obviously I wouldn't be there anyway but um, so all of that kind of plotting and probing like which is awful to think about 
Um, but thankfully it hadn't gone anywhere near his um, spinal cord or his brain, um, which, you know, could have done severe damage. So thankfully he's perfect. Um, so that really made all the difference. I had said, you know, they have had situations where people maybe wake an item come in and it's a whole other ball game. Um, so thankfully, um, yeah, he was perfect. And there was absolutely no no effects. Like he's he's been perfect. So uh, we left then um, exactly two just over two weeks later because we did the full like full and um, two two week course of antibiotics. And um, because he's so small, they couldn't let us out to do it. Um, sometimes they train families to be able to administer it themselves because they had the um, the drip directly in. Uh, they had to put in, I can't recall the name, but basically it's one that goes directly to their heart. It's a, it's a much smaller one for babies because the little um, cannulas, they keep falling out because they're so small, obviously. So instead of having to put them in, they put in a direct line. Uh, but because he's so small, they couldn't, we, we couldn't do that remotely. So we have to stay in hospital. And um, so, yeah, basically after two weeks then we got him home and uh, we just had to go back up. That was really it. They were like, they were happy with him. Like they were obviously checking him all the time. Um, in terms of his development and everything, he's finding he's gaining a ton of weight in hospital. <laughs> Obviously, taking bottles by the truckload. Oh my god, um, some appetite. But um, so yeah, then we went. We met up again with the consultant. Um, then for his three month checkup, and she was delighted with him. So everything was great, and he's due for his nine month now. Um, actually, at the end of next month. But so far, he's perfect. And what you said there is something so important. You, you're always paranoid that you're yeah. so dramatic yeah and it's what so I'm really getting upset thinking about it because yeah. it's it can be just so easily I know like like I do it every day I I, I double think about bringing my yeah. kids to the doctor yeah. or oh, doctor oh the simplest thing I know but I like know. but that's what they're there for and 100%. they want you to and come that's in all they kept saying to me as well is never yeah. feel like that like yeah. you know your child best and I'm not as I said I'm not a gut person but I would say yeah. anyone what's the worst that can happen you go there and yeah. they turn you away and say your baby's perfectly healthy. So what? She wasted a bit of petrol. That is literally the worst outcome like that can happen in that scenario. I would say absolutely do it. There is no downside because you know your baby best. And I just knew he was not himself. He was totally out of sorts. And like there was no temperature. He didn't show any of the classic symptoms of antibiotics other than the shrill cry that I now know. Like us, obviously we were Googling to be banned when we got there. Um, but the, the common symptoms, he wasn't, he was drinking, drinking. He had wet nappies. Um, he didn't have a dirty nappy, um, but like that would be fine. The rest of the babies, that could sometimes be normal. Um, but other than that, he wasn't lethar- lethargic. He was perfectly fine. Um, it was just, I just knew my baby and I knew that was not normal for him. So I would say to anyone, go with your gut. And they, they were, they're so lovely. that They're never going to yeah. turn you away and be like, oh, you're being ridiculous, you know, because they don't know your child. Um, so yeah, thank God I listened to my gut. I will always listen to it again because... Um, yeah, it it definitely it saved his life. To be honest, we could have been in a very very different situation. And when yourself and Dan and Cooper got home, did you have yeah. support when you got home to kind of give you a bit of a breather and uh, catch yeah, up on? We're really lucky. Yeah. It's actually the first grandchild on both sides, so we're okay. spoiled for um for help. Like they're always begging to come over. So to be fair, we got got I'd gifts, lactation cookies, <laughs> deliveries of meals. Like they couldn't have been better. Um. And I suppose, to be honest, we had actually said uh, from the time we went in, it was so funny. My mom instantly, my mom be a very gut person and she instantly knew something was wrong. So that day, like that day on the day he was sick and um, every day she would always text me and ask how people today, how was things? They would have been over a few times. 
um, I think she did over the day before, the day, day before that. Uh, and I hadn't responded because obviously, you know, this, this craziness uh, had just happened. So I wasn't obviously anywhere near my phone. Um, but she knew that me not responding, there was something wrong. So of course I was like being inundated with messages from my sisters and stuff and like, what's up, how are things, you all right? Um, so I pretty much, I told my mom, she's a nurse and I knew that she would take it quite well. Like she wouldn't get hysterical on the phone because I just couldn't deal with that. But I said to her, can you please just tell everybody, I don't want messages, no matter how lovely they are. I don't want anyone to contact us. We don't need to be, you know, I know this sounds awful, but I don't, I don't have the headspace to be consoling yeah, other people at this time. Like I can barely do yeah. it myself. I can't be explaining the same story to people. I was like, you could totally tell them what's happening. Um, but Dan and I just need to be with Cooper at the minute, so please don't contact me at all. So I send that to, I, I sent a text after a week to my friends and just totally like in the WhatsApp um, group and just told them where we were at and said, please don't contact me. So when we got home, we kind of said, look, obviously we're not having anyone to come to see him for a good while. You know, he's been through a lot. Um, his immune system blessing has taken a red old bash. So we don't want to be near anybody. Um, and I don't really want to talk to anybody. Like people have just texted and said, look, hope you're well at home. And that was it. I wasn't really getting back to anybody. It was just like, we just need to be with each other. We'd lost two weeks of this lovely bubble. My husband was then to go back. So that obviously was a big dent in his um, paternity uh, leave. Now, obviously his, his work were incredibly um, generous and I like, gave him an extra two weeks. Um, so it was just us to bring our little bubble again. But when we, when we kind of, yeah, when we had another maybe few weeks of that, the guys were there and I knew they were there um, all the time. Kind of, they would have come over at our beck and call. But I, I, to be honest, I just wanted it just to be us because we'd just been inundated with nurses. You were never alone, you know, kind of way. Mm. And never together. Like we'd just been on, like, like chips in the night, but on opposite chips. We haven't seen each other really. Um, so just to have the three of us, it was, yeah, it was just really, really nice. And your instinct there as a mother comes through, just when you're talking there. So like your gut told you Cooper needed help, but also he listened to your instinct to just be like, just just focus on like your family. And you don't realize yeah. until you have a family that there's n- nothing else is important. So but, true. Like no one else, like you don't yeah. have to respond to it. I think it takes guts. It really does, Amy, to just go, I, I, I'm not going to respond to you. And I really actually don't yeah. need to hear from you. Because, you know, you know, yeah. even though everyone means yeah. well, but there's, it just really shows I, what's important. Yeah, but that's it. I was like, I need to put all my attention on yeah. my baby and my husband at the moment. Like we just need each other. Um, and it was, it was probably selfish on my part, but I was like, I'm not here to please anybody else. I can't deal yeah. with them being upset. And I know like my mom, my sisters, we all really, really um, sensitive. Um, and I just, I couldn't deal with that. I was like, I just need to take time now. And I know I could, I knew they were all, you know, saying prayers. And they, I knew that mm. there was around us. But I just, I would just be on my phone. I just be in the room with Cooper the whole time, talking to him, singing to him, just making sure that we were there because he was just so small. Yeah, self self preservation. Yeah, 100%. and just lastly, then, did you have to process what happened? Like, did you have to really deal with yeah, it and try and yeah. find a way not not to bank it, but just yeah, kind of come 100%. to reality? And happen. I think we probably were operating on autopilot when we were with them. Now, I suppose mm. Dan says afterwards that he felt like he had to support me in hospital because I instantly fell apart. Like I, I just wasn't, I did, couldn't stop crying except when I was pumping and then I was crying again. Um, and I think that definitely affected my supply actually as well because it was just such a stressful time. But um, he he said afterwards, when I, when I because I was seeing him every day, so I could see Cooper gradually getting better every day and coming around to being the baby that I knew. And um, by the time we got out, I was like, great, he's perfect. You know, I didn't look back. Whereas I think Dan said afterwards, 
that's when he needed to lean on me because he'd felt like he'd supported yeah. me through all of that. And then he was kind of left having to go back to work with all of this having happened and he didn't ever really have a chance to process it. Um, so I think we both, yeah, had to lean on each other. But I think for me, I was just, because I was talking to the consultants, they were telling me that he was progressing every single day and I could see it. No one could tell me otherwise that when we left, I was like, yep, yeah, we're getting back to normal. Everything's perfect. Like he's great. I know he's perfect. We're, never, like, we're not going to look back. Um, but yeah, definitely, I suppose, talking to people it got much, much easier. Like I didn't talk to, I think the second week I said, mom, you can finally come over and we'll bring the dogs for a walk. Cause I was home and Dan was with him. I said, okay, I'm, I'm finally ready to see somebody. I said, do not get upset. I want mm. you to tell me all your stories. I don't want to talk about me or anything else. You just tell me all the stuff that's happening in your life. It's just got me. Um, and of course, <laughs> mom being mom, the minute she walks in the door, she takes one look at me and bursts into tears. I'm like, oh my God. I have the opposite. If I see my mom, some days I can't see her because all I do is cry because I've had a bad day. If I see my mother, I'll cry. Whereas I was like, I can't, I can't deal with you crying. I want you to be happy to distract me because I'm finally at a point where I'm not crying all the time anymore. Like I'm actually okay. Yeah. So of course she was like bawling because, you know, they, for them, I can totally get it because they were worrying for their children and they were also worrying for their grandchild and that they were completely helpless. So like I'd said to them, don't come near us. Don't like, you know, I don't want anything. And of course, mom and dad rock up to Temple Street with a rotisserie chicken and a baguette that they got on route through a vodka because they just wanted to do something to be useful. <laughs> what do you yeah. do bringing a rotisserie chicken? <laughs> I don't have not, I don't have Stick it at the hospital. Like, I'm going to eat this like in a small little room with no air con. Um, so just like they just felt completely helpless. And I know, like, you know, mm. being a parent, I can totally understand it now. Um, but uh, yeah, just I could finally be at the point when I saw her that I, I could talk and not get upset about it. Definitely. Yeah. For the first God, for the first few days, I was like, my world just fell apart. It's like, how can this be? But no, now I now I think we're totally fine. But I think we will always be. Uh, I think, to be honest, two, the two of us still get a little bit jumpy if he ever seems out of sorts never having yeah, a bad day the two of us go and check his temperature are we going to, like we'll always be a little bit probably ott and um, so that's probably the lingering scar i suppose is that we're a little bit um scared all the time if he ever seems out of sorts but other than that yeah he's just great like yeah it all worked out thank god yeah thank you so much for that thank you so much not for at sharing. all geez it's uh, yeah i suppose i hope no one has to go through it <laughs> But um, no, like overall, I suppose overall, it's just been like a phenomenal experience. I loved it. I loved the preparation for um, labor and delivery. I loved the pregnancy. I thought I never would. Um, I loved just that whole preparation. And like, like I said, like a marathon that you were like gearing up for something exciting. Um, mm, and yeah. the whole like the labor thing, I couldn't have asked for a better delivery. It didn't go as I thought. I got an epidural. I was induced. But it was it was phenomenal. Like, it's such an empowering experience I was like so excited to get to talk to you because I think your podcast I searched high and low positive birth stories especially Irish ones I listen to so many American and Australian mm. podcasts and I just couldn't relate with their crosses even in hospitals and even just like you know the the, the culture the culture is different and how people talk and stuff like that um, and just when I found her I was like oh wow these are like real women that are, like aren't too far away from me that I can really relate to and all I wanted to listen to were like positive uplift- uplifting stories so I think when you like manifest that and surround yourself with us it really helps 
my mind, I was only going to have one one delivery and that was going to be a really good one. Um, So thank you, (laughs) because I think like, Mm -hmm. and even now I still listen to them. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, Amy. I really appreciate it. Deadly. Look, thanks so much, Cora. Great to meet you. If you would like to share your story, you're more than welcome to. You can get in touch over on the website, Ireland's Birth Story, birthstories.e, which I will link in the show notes or over on Instagram, which I will also link in the show notes. But I would prefer if you did so on the website or via email because the DMs seem to go AWOL. Have a good week and I will have another episode for you next Monday. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.